Today's Dead Idea. This is part five of our series on Moism, an ancient Chinese philosophy of highly disciplined soldier philosophers. And today, we're going to undergo Moist training, reading from their core text, the Mozi. It's going to be a role-playing episode. We've got Andre on to the show again. That's what we're talking about today on Dead Ideas. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. The music we just heard was composed by Rachel Westhoff, my lovely wife. How she gets her Moist work jacket so clean really is an ancient Chinese secret. <laughs> <laughs> ancient indeed. <laughs> Confucius era ancient here. In fact, the uh, as you we heard in previous episodes, the Moists gave the Confucians a run for their money in uh, early centuries of Confucianism. So. Go back and listen to all those episodes, especially the military defense ones that Andre <laughs> posted. Thank you for being on the show again, Andre. Absolutely. I'm going to do my best to not make mo, mo jokes. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Andre, after your two episodes on military defense tactics, in which you had me play the role of an attacker ceaselessly failing horribly <laughs> to attack a most defended city. I would say it was a noble effort on your part, but every most would disagree. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I was kind of inspired. So, I'm going to make the rest of our series, the rest of the Moism series, basically an ongoing role play starring the character you will create today. Mm. Oh, okay? cool. All right. All right. Uh, so today, uh, you will get a taste of Moist training. Um, wait, wait, is this going to be revenge? Have you just been sitting around seething with anger since you couldn't take my castle last time? And this is <laughs> just going to be revenge. a horrible game. Just revenge? We'll yeah, see. I can't wait. Well, with, there's only one character in the party, you, so that's very easy to do a TPK, <laughs> a total party knockout. You kill everybody. So. I'm just laying traps around myself immediately. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, anyway, you will face challenges, you will face trials, you will grapple with the ideas in the most core text and training manual, the Motsu. Hmm. I've got it here. That is the sound of the thud of this giant book that's so really, actually from the U of M library it's here. It's huge. Yeah. And then in our final episode of the series, your character will go back out into the world having received their training Ooh. and attempt to put their philosophy into practice in oh, the real gosh. world. Wow. Today, you are in training. Okay. So following the pattern from our previous roleplay episodes that we've done in other series, the rules for the roleplay are extremely simple. We are going to use our very own super-duper double-trademarked system called Rock, Paper, Raven, which is basically rock, paper, scissors, and it's like the same gestures, rock, a, you know, paper, mm -hmm. scissors, same gesture for scissors, but it looks like a raven's beak, doesn't it? It does. Yes. Yeah, it's ravening me. Yes, so yeah. rock, paper, raven, but there's one twist. Ooh. If you have an advantage for some reason in the situation, mm -hmm. either from your character or the circumstances, then the tie would go to you as a win. That makes sense. If you have a disadvantage, then the tie, the tie is, a loss. is a loss. Right. Yes. That's um, the whole system. I know. I'm just going to confess. I'm yeah. really awkward with rock, paper, scissors. So <laughs> is it, are we going to do like a, like a one, two, three? So here's how I do it. Okay. So, so I do rock, paper, raven, shoot. And you okay. throw on shoot. Right. So yeah. it's basically one, two, three, shoot. But exactly. it's rock, paper, raven, shoot. Yes. I'm <laughs> also terrible with high fives, uh, low fives. Every kind of Any five. kind of bump. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Bumps. <laughs> okay. All right. So I want you to imagine that you have read the pamphlets, you have attended Ooh. the meetings, 
You've gone to the frisbee toss in the park. Wait, wait, was there was there free snacks at the meetings? Uh, yeah, it was bad. Just like you know, it was just like peanuts. Depending on which Warring States Kingdom I'm from, that might have been really nice. So <laughs> I, I'm still sold. Yeah. And now you are finally ready to take the next step and dedicate your life to this philosophy. Whoa, my life! <laughs> <laughs> You're Moa. Like, it's it's a Moa. So you, right, right. You, you are dedicated, disciplined, and devoted. Man, all yeah. right, yep. There, there's I'm no in. halfway with Moism. Right. Yeah. So you come from the tiny state of Song, mm-hmm. which is in central eastern China. Okay. Okay. And now you are traveling to the southern state of Chu, which is mm. to the south. It's kind of inland from where Shanghai is. It's in that South China area, okay? And Moism is strong there, a particular variety of Moism called Southern Moism, one of the three factions. And by the way, the other two factions you consider heretical. (laughs) Of course I do. It's 361 BCE, so long after Moza himself lived, a few generations forward, things have gotten established. Got it. Okay? Now, let's make your character. Great. Okay. So I'll have you choose your background, which is basically choosing the social status class that you come from. Mm. Okay. And then you can come up with a name, a little backstory, and we're going to fast forward that for the listener. And then you'll just give a little description of what you came up with, and then we'll go to the game. Right. Okay. All right. So you just have one choice to make, which is which of these four backgrounds do you want? Starting with the lowest status in society, you may come from the Shang class, which is the class of merchants, traders. Okay? It was a merchant last time. Mm, yeah. Choice number two. You can be a Gong, which is of the artisan or crafters class. Second lowest status in society. Hmm. Choice number three. You can be a Nong, which is the farmer class, the second highest status in society of the four. But so still that, very right, much so a common. The farmers are a higher class than the artisans. That's right. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. Because making producing food is better than just consuming it basically. In East across Asia, the yeah, yeah, they were not like piddly ass serfs or peasants. Right. They were like somewhat respected. But still very much commoners. Right. Because merchants and um, artisans are consuming food but not producing it. Mm-hmm. And they're also not going out and saving the world because they're not warriors. Yeah, so. and the not producing argument was something that was used against the merchant class in particular. Right, yeah. Yeah. The last choice, choice number four, is to be of the shi class, the petty nobility, which is the highest status of the four, but below true nobility still. So, low nobility. And it is, at this time in history, increasingly difficult to distinguish you from commoners if you're a shi. And you're quite anxious about that. So to review, you can be the shang, mm-hmm. the merchant, the gong, the artisan, the nong, the farmer, or the shu, the petty nobility. Right. So I think I'm going to be the, the, the craftsman. The craftsman. Yep. The mm-hmm. gong. Okay. Sure, yep. The gong. I will never correctly Art- pronounce that, but uh, <laughs> that's what I am. Okay. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay, so... You have disadvantage on anything requiring speed due to an unfortunate accident that left you with a lame leg. Ooh, okay. Yeah. But you have advantage on crafting, engineering, and math. Hmm. And you belong... Skills. Yes. Yeah. You belong to a guild, and you have an apprentice. Wow. He's, he's back home, but you've got one. Can you I can correspond probably, with him? You can correspond with him. You can email him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you can tweet. Tweet, <laughs> exactly. Now, this will be fast forwarded. 
let's come up with your character. Right. The, basically, all I need is name mm-hmm. and just a little bit of a backstory. Sure. That's all. So the name, since I don't want to make a Chinese sounding name, I'd be like, that's a little more cliche. I found that, do you happen to have the smaller purple book? King Jie of Xia. Oh, don't be that one. That's one of the bad sage kings. Who doesn't say it's just a king that took everything down? Okay, yeah. That would make you kind of the black sheep of your family if you become a boss. That makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, no, sounds good. Okay, we're back. We have a character created. Uh, can you please tell us your character's name and yes. a little bit about them? Absolutely. So my character's name is Zhang Li. Which is uh, named after... So he may or may not be named after the legendary founder of the state of Chu, who Which is the Zhang one that Li. you're traveling to now. That's true, yeah. yeah. So that okay. might be a good omen even to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, he was raised in a family... I mean, he's raised from an artisan family, mm-hmm. uh, but his uh, his family are bell makers. So they work with, with molten bronze. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually was injured at a young age when one of the big uh, crucibles fell on his leg mm-hmm. and uh, actually shattered his knee, which is why he has a lame leg. And it made him just kind of like Perfect. really turned off from the whole bronze working thing. So even though he has some familiarity with the bronze working, he kind of became the black sheep of his family and went into engineering. So he's a professional engineer. That's okay. what he's known for. You probably had math background for figuring out the correct, you know, like curvature of bells yeah. in order to get the right resonance, exactly. that kind of thing. And then if you remember what we talked about with all of the uh, most criticism of the Confucians, where they're like, you are trying to solve the world's problem with music, you know, and spending all this money on huge gongs and bells for your state orchestra. Yeah. So they're probably your family's main clientele. You becoming mm. a Moist is kind of a big middle finger to the family industry. It's true. Yeah. Which might be part of what drew me to it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the peanuts were all right, but... Right. Yeah. So just, just to review, so because of your leg, disadvantage on speed, but because of your background, advantage on crafting, engineering, and math, you belong to a guild, you have an apprentice. Excellent. Back home. Who I can email. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you have traveled to one of the great Moist sanctums in the southern state of Chu, which, as we said, is inland from, kind of kind of like inland from modern Shanghai area, mm-hmm. south China. It appears less like a temple and more like a stronghold. Hmm. The gates open, and you step inside, and the gates <laughs> close behind you. You are issued a blue-gray work jacket and trousers, Probably reused. Hmm. They're already nearly threadbare. <laughs> possibly distressed. <laughs> <laughs> Shabby chic, man. <laughs> and then you are immediately put to work. Great. Your taskmaster, just the first face that you see there, just hands you a shovel and says, start digging. And he shows you where he wants you to dig and kind of gives you the general impression of a moat and what he's looking for and then just lets you have it. Let's you go at it. You dig, and you dig, and you dig, and beads of sweat are rolling down your head. You know, this is, you're in the south of China now, so it's much hotter than you're used to, yeah. you know, and you're like, are they going to come and bring me some tea, or <laughs> are going to have a lunch break here at some point? But nobody comes, and you almost get the impression that you're being watched. Hmm. But I'm not being yelled at for the fact that I'm digging slow because of my leg. No. Okay, so I think... Yeah, I think at first I would be just really, like, wiping my brow and just kind of, like, the heat is going to really get to me. Because if you're not used to a hot temperature, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. But it's almost a little bit comforting that, that for once, I'm not being screamed at because I'm going too slow. <laughs> so I'm just going to think, like, you know what? I'm just going to keep digging, and I guess we'll just see where it goes. You okay. Know? Yeah, keep working. All right. Um, you 
work yourself until you basically collapse from heat exhaustion. Hmm. Which doesn't take all that long, unfortunately. Because <laughs> like you said, you're not used to the climate. Right. And, um, you know, it's just because of your lower body being kind of partly lame, your upper body has to work like so hard that you, yeah, you yeah. just wear yourself out really yeah. fast. And the next thing you know, like there's a splash of water in your face hmm. and bellows of laughter around you. And you open your <laughs> eyes and you see a whole bunch of people in your same uniform, mm -hmm. all in the blue-gray work trousers. And one of them grabs you by the collar of your work trouser, drags you up and deposits you on your feet and says, <laughs> yeah, this one worked his shins off already on the first day. <laughs> Not bad, but I think you'll learn to last a little bit longer with training. I will be respectful. I'll remember the way that I've, I've demanded that my apprentice treat me and the way that my father has always demanded that his apprentices treat him. And I will say something like, yes, master, yes, sir, to that. <laughs> Excellent. By the way, just as a little historical side note here, we are going to be reading from the text that the Moists themselves wrote. Hmm. However, we don't really know a lot of details about the specifics of Moist training. We just know that a lot of discipline and rigor was involved. Hmm. And so a lot of those details... I'm inventing what seems likely. Right, right. But we will be getting to the text itself. I mean, at least there was hazing, so I mean, that's the yes. most important thing. Yes. Yeah. So um, you're given some like very, very plain food, basically like unsalted, unflavored rice ball and probably just some water. That's not, it's not Brita filtered. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And uh, then you're shown to... A bed, which is not your own room, but just like one of many. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like basically a flat shelf hmm. just to, you know, bring you up off the ground in case there's like scorpions or something. Giant centipedes, right. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and you just have a wooden pillow. So I think I'm, you know, I must be starting to feel it now. You know, I guess all those, those mentions of like frugality and spartanism in the moas lectures i attended are starting to kind of come home to me and i'm like oh they weren't messing around i'm probably feeling pretty down like I, yeah. I'm, I'm like i'm not going to complain yet because i i do remember like everybody puts their apprentice through something tough like you kind of have to prove yourself to earn it so i'm not going to complain or throw a fit but i'm feeling pretty homesick and pretty down yeah, this sucks yeah <laughs> i send some like i send a lot of like gifts to my apprentice like i just messaging him and uh -huh. i'm like He's like, hey, how's first day of Moism camp? And I've just got all these funny gifts of, like, people exhausted and, like, overworked. Oh, like GIF, like images you're sending? Yeah, you yeah, mean? GIFs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which I prefer to pronounce GIFs because that just makes sense to my... That's what English I do, speaking. too, but Rachel makes Everyone fun Everyone tells me that's wrong, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Uh, okay, very good. Well, in the morning, at a just unholy hour, you know, it's still pitch dark, you know, well before dawn, you are awoken by the shrill, ear-piercing clack of wooden clappers of a guy oh. going, yeah, oh. going around outside, waking everybody up. What a jerk. <laughs> you lift your head from the wooden pillow. You just feel the stiffness of your muscles. And you're just, you feel worn out. Like, if you were at home, you would take the next two weeks off. But now you've <laughs> got to get up and do it all over again. Well, that ditch won't finish itself. <laughs> That's right. So, for the rest of your training, this is basically how the program is going to go. Each day is given over both to labor and to study. Hmm. Okay? So first you have hours of continuing to do backbreaking labor, but that's only part of the day. 
Then after that, then there are other projects around, various projects to work on, and they actually give you a choice each day of which of those other projects you want to work on. Oh, cool. And then finally, each day they also give you a pian, or bundle of bamboo strips with writing on them, hmm. that includes texts from the motsu, hmm. which you are expected to read, study well, and in the morning you'll be tested on them. Right. And I'm like, universal love. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I just, I'm like dying laughing, and I look around and nobody else is laughing, and I'm just like... Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> okay, so uh, here are the four projects that you can choose from. And it might be like one day each, might be four days each. It's just, we won't be too specific about that sure, part. Sure. It's just like, you choose these four and we go through them. Okay? Got it, yeah. All right, so you can choose dyeing clothes, mm. building a wall, mm. Obtaining necessary goods from the market. Okay. Or loading, hauling, and distributing grain to those in need in town. Those in need. I'm trying to, I'm struggling to absorb the more uh, altruistic elements of this philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to put myself in a warring states mentality. Yeah. yeah right. Yep. But I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had a rough first day, a rough first night. Mm-hmm. I am going to go with what is my comfort zone right mm-hmm. away, and I'm going to choose building the wall. Perfect. Okay, so you get up, you work on the moat some more. Yeah. And the, But then after a few hours, like three hour, two, three hours, then your taskmaster comes and claps you on the back and says, good job. Go into the mess hall, get yourself some, some rice for breakfast. Uh, they'll serve you plenty of food this time. You know, you need to keep your energy up. Then come back, and uh, I want you to go over here where people will tell you what to do for constructing this wall. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So you go, it's again, it's very plain. Like there's no spice in the entire stronghold. There's like nothing, (laughs) right? Right. But it's, it's just well-made wholesome rice. And after all that labor yesterday, it's just, your body feels like this is what I need. Okay. You know, it's just like basic wholesome food. Right. Okay. Then you go over to the constructing the wall. People are like building up this wall with, um, you know, if they've got stones and they've got like, I don't know exactly what level of technology they were for wall construction in this time period, but they're building like a wall of stone, right? But they've got a problem. And the problem is every time they reach a certain height, part of the wall seems to collapse. There's some kind of... Oh, sure. Yeah. And they can't figure out exactly what the problem is, if it's uneven ground or what is going on here, if they haven't made the appropriate sacrifices. Right. Yeah, that's true. The sacrifices do affect things. Yeah. Enemy tunneling? Hopefully not. It's probably enemy tunneling. (laughs) Have we checked the hydrophone? (laughs) Did you ask? Do you ask that? Um, I I mean, unless unless there's... Just ask it. Oh, in that case, I'll say like, (laughs) it's a long shot, uh, sir, but have we checked the hydrophone? Ah, wait, for the listener's sake, the hydrophone, as we learned last time, is... Right. So different versions, they could take basically a drum. It's like uh-huh. a clay pot with a, a hide stretched over the, the opening of the pot mm-hmm. that could be set, like, fixed into the wall. Uh-huh. Um, that probably would not be the case here. Or you could go to a well nearby and lower such a pot down into it, and you would have someone listen at the top of the well. And basically the idea is that any enemy tunneling would send vibrations through the earth and would cause the hide on the top of the drum to vibrate. And you could, you could, first of all, know if they're coming. And secondly, with multiple wells, multiple hydrophones, you could pinpoint where they're coming from. Because you could tell which drums it's were strongest. vibrating strongest. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. So uh, the taskmaster at the wall project, he like kind of looks at you sidelong and it's like, how do you know about hydrophones? I'll say, well, respectfully, sir, I'm, I'm an engineer. An engineer, you say? 
Oh, in my former life, I, now I'm a, an apprentice here. Oh, well, that I'll, changes I'll make, things. I'll make obeisances. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like bowing and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was a lot of that in the Motsu text, and I just sure. think that's probably appropriate etiquette at this point. Almost, yeah, yeah certainly. Right. They'd have a way to salute your superiors. So. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm imagining, like, the Kung Fu kind of, like, fist over your chest kind of right. uh, like the one fist in yeah. the other hand with possibly a very low like head bow, bow at the same time yeah thing. exactly yeah. so he's like uh yeah I, I, we don't have any enemies that we're expecting but uh it's probably a good precaution but an engineer you say um maybe you can help us use some of these tools we've been out without an engineer for some time now and as you can see we're not having a lot of success with this wall perhaps you could apply your craft sorry i'm only one man but i will do everything i can We'll accept that. So you examine it? Correct. Okay. So yeah, you find that it doesn't look to the naked eye like there's weak ground or sloping ground, but you notice that if you look a little broader, like there's water flowing in like nearby areas that's probably eroding beneath. Yeah. Yeah. And causing uh, like a weak um, support structure in the earth below the wall. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'll go to that superior again and say, sir, respectfully, I apologize for wasting your time with the hydrophone. I believe the problem is over here. And I'll explain to him what I think the problem is. But I think, I think what I'll, I'll suggest is the most practical thing, which is that we should go over here to where the water is flowing and dig a channel away in the direction away from the wall so that water is flowing away and that hopefully then there will not be a flow of water underneath the foundation of the wall. Hmm. All right. All right. So let's do a rock, paper, raven right. test. You get advantage, advantage. on this because right. it is engineering. Right. Okay. So and um, uh, and so that means if there's a tie, yeah. then it, the tie goes to you. Great. Okay. okay. Ready? So success okay. means that it works. Right? That's great. Okay. All right. All right. Ready? Rock, paper, raven, shoot. <laughs> you win because it's tie. Oh, it's tie. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Great. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So you divert the water. Yep. Um, it takes a few days mm-hmm. for things, the earth to settle down. Yep. And you tell them that to wait. You right. Know, right. To yep. wait. But then it works. Great. And the wall stands. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So you spend yeah. a few days on that. Meanwhile, you also have a second assignment. Okay. And great. that is your pian of the Mo- Mozza text. Right. So yep. I, I'm reading sheafs of bamboo mm-hmm. that have sections of this yes. completely inscrutable text uh, on them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So the first pian. Chapter one, hanging spleens. <laughs> it doesn't seem, they don't <laughs> seem to be giving them to you in any order. They right. must not be established yet as oh, yeah. an ordered canon. Yep. But they have all these bundles of strips that they keep giving you. Sure. Okay. So the first one speaks of heaven's intention. Okay. And then our task here is basically to grapple with this text and kind of understand, try to understand what it's trying to teach us. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Master Motsu having heaven's intention is no different to a wheelwright having compasses or a carpenter having a square. You're like, oh, Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's Mm -hmm. speaking my lingo. Right. Right. Now, a wheelwright takes hold of his compasses in order to determine whether things in the world are round or not, saying, what accords with my compasses is called round, and what does not accord with my compasses is called not round. Okay, I think I understand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) In this way, the roundness or non-roundness of all things can be ascertained and known. Why is this so? It is because the standard for roundness is clear. Also, a carpenter takes hold of his square in order to determine whether things in the world are square or not, saying what accords with my square is called square, and what does not accord with my square is called not square. In this way, the squareness or non-squareness of all things can be ascertained and known. Why is this so? It is because the standard for squareness is clear. Mm. Now, thus, Master Motsa's having heaven's intention is 
for this. Above, to estimate the conduct of government by the kings, dukes, and great officers of the world, and below, to measure the world's 10,000 people, taking their writings as expressing what they are saying. He looks at their conduct. If it complies with heaven's intention, he calls it well-intentioned conduct. Hmm. Whereas, if it is contrary to heaven's intention, he calls it badly-intentioned conduct. He considers what they are saying. If it complies with heaven's intention, he calls it good speech. Whereas, if it is contrary to heaven's intention, he calls it bad speech. He looks at their conduct of government. If it complies with heaven's intention, he calls it good government. Whereas, if it is contrary to heaven's intention, he calls it bad government. Thus, he establishes this as his standard and sets it up as his principle, using it to measure and evaluate the benevolence and non-benevolence of the world's kings, dukes, great officers, and ministers. It is comparable to distinguishing between black and white. I love this. This is great. My Okay, so Zhang Li is, first of all, blown away because of the clearness of it. Mm-hmm. But also, this is probably the first uh, teaching on morality that he's ever thought really was worth the bamboo it's inscribed on, mm-hmm. right? Because this is giving an objective standard that we can we can measure things against. Mm-hmm. And that really appeals to me. And I'm probably at the same time a little bit awed because we're talking about looking at the rulers mm-hmm. and dukes mm-hmm. and holding up a metric to them. And we, anybody, could look at that tool and say, no, you're not, you're, you don't measure up to good government and good conduct. Exactly, yeah. right? So heaven's intention here is being compared to a tool, like right. a measure or a square or something, yeah. right? A compass, um, with the idea being that that's your standard. The standard is clear. If it doesn't match heaven's intention, it ain't going to fly. Right. Now, a whole other question is, how do you know heaven's intention? Exactly. And I was just thinking, Zhang <laughs> Li is, at this point, not thinking about that. But right. later on, when he's resting on his wooden pillow, that's going to come to him and be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's part of this. Yeah. But, yeah. We can come back to that part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very good. So, in the morning, you are tested on it. Okay. Like, they don't expect you to have everything memorized. Mm-hmm. But it's a day and age of a mostly oral culture. Right. So, like, you, know, you mostly are supposed to recite it. Right. Uh, but but you especially want to understand the core of the teachings. So let's do a, a rock, paper, raven test to see how well you can, what, what do I say, interpret? Interpret. Wait, so which, Explicate. Do they, which do they want? They want a recitation of what I've memorized or they want an explanation? Both. Both. So it's neither advantage nor disadvantage. Oh, this is practically engineering. It's like literally talking about engineering government. Oh, okay. All right. For the sake of the metaphor, <laughs> I'll say the metaphor gives you advantage. Oh, wow. I'll give you okay. that. I'll All give right. you that. Okay. okay. Ready? All right. So it's, uh, okay. Yeah. We're ready. Rock, paper, raven, shoot. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So your taskmaster for your studies right. uh, looks at you and is like, hmm, I believe you have grasped the basics, but the higher buttresses of this particular wall you have not yet managed to make fly <laughs> that's let me try that again but the <laughs> but the uh, parapets upon which the tower you're trying to construct here uh, are not quite stable at which point he explains the part that you had not been oh, taught right. yet and which you were questioning how do you know heaven's intention in the first place right and he explains that heaven meaning in ancient China, basically nature, a nature that kind of somewhat thinks and acts and has likes and dislikes, but is mostly the environment itself. 
he says, it is clear for all to see that nature provides for everything within it. Each animal has its own food that is found within nature. Hmm. Nature, all things are contained within nature. And so nature naturally like makes a place for all things. And just so we should act, considering all people to be important within the grand scheme of things. So heaven's intent is the benefit of all people. Is it clear now? I believe it is, sir. Uh, May I ask a a question to make sure I understand? Of course. So if I understand properly, when, when an action is aimed at producing benefit for everyone equally, then that can be measured as according with heaven's intention. But if the action does not produce benefit for everyone equally, then it is not in accord with heaven's intention. Stated clearly. Thank you, sir. Excellent. Very good. Cool. Okay, let's move on to the next day. Great. Or not the next day, but the next challenge. The next period of studies. Yes. Okay, so the remaining projects for you to work on, because you finished the wall quite successfully. In fact, uh, the other students are, you're starting to get a rep. Like, people are coming to you with, like, problems and being oh, like, oh, how do I solve this? I just hope they're all engineering problems and not, like, any yeah. personal problems. Like, like, so-and-so said this about me, but that's not true. Now the yeah. teacher doesn't like me. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you get a little bit of that. But they're also like, what's a compass? And am I supposed to use it to stab someone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only defensively. <laughs> right. Okay. So you can dye clothes, obtain necessary goods from the market, or load, haul, and distribute grain to those in need. I'm on a roll, and I feel like dyeing clothes is another nice practical thing, so I'm going to go with that. Okay. All right. So um, after your day is hard labor, then you are shown to the area where there's all these buckets and um, all kinds of newly woven work jackets. They look coarse, uh, but of hardy construction. They're not going to fall apart. But these are new and not threadbare, unlike mine. Correct. I definitely have some ideas in my head, but I'm going to (laughs) try to just do my job. Yes. But they need to be dyed, and the dye, which is that whatever produces that blue-gray, it's not indigo, because that was very expensive. Sure, yeah. But this particular kind of blue-gray dye is basically the cheapest kind of dye that you could buy, and that's why they use it. They're breaking up in big pens in the back and just putting in the dye pot. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just a, a spilling ink pen. That's exactly. all. Yeah. So, you know, they're very frugal, right? That's a principle for them. Should not waste anything, any resources, right? So just get the cheapest dye. It's just a practical item that you're creating here. Hmm. So that one, there is another student that has been jealous of your success oh no and he is also on the dying project and uh there seems to be a little bit of a competition at least in his mind for who can dye the most clothes the most so the... <laughs> oh no oh man oh i thought you were saying the most clothes oh. <laughs> <laughs> who can dye the most yeah. clothes yes no okay so you can either just not take the bait right or you can try to outdo him so, I mean, I, the player, want to take the bait because I want to just wipe that. I just want to blue-gray dye that smug look right off his face. But I, even before I found out about the challenge, I was thinking to myself, like, I know that I won't be producing them at, at as high of a rate of productivity as some mm-hmm. other people because I am not as fast. Right. And so my focus in my head was I'm going to try to make sure, though, that each one that I do produce is, is as flawless as possible. No mm-hmm. wrinkles, no uneven dyeing. Mm-hmm. Everything is good. Okay. So... 
I think I'm going to try to just um, disregard his taunts and try to just tell myself, like, yeah, he's working twice as fast to try to shell me up, but his work is sloppy, and I'm going to do it properly. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like that strategy. Uh, if you had tried to race him, you would have had disadvantage, course, but in yeah. this case, you do not. Oh, great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's see if you can outdo him in quality. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Rock, paper, raven, shoot. And oh, unfortunately, again, the raven you is flattened not. by a rock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. He he's actually pretty good hmm. at this. And okay. he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, he's kind of like, Got his nose up in the air a little bit. Oh, and, perfect. Uh, he get, mm-hmm, go ahead. As a, oh, okay. No, oh, well, okay. So as a, as a, as just a way to just like get one little thing stuck in his craw, I uh-huh. am going to see him acting like this, and I will bow very low and say, "Thank you for teaching me how to properly dye clothing." That's almost like a compliment burn. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you say that just at the time that he's presenting his very finely done clothing to mm-hmm. the the taskmaster. Great. And the taskmaster actually looks at you, then looks at him, and you get the impression that he at least takes this to be like you took him down a notch. <laughs> Which yeah. probably doesn't help with his budding rivalry for no, you. No, absolutely, yeah. But it does give you a little bit of a like a leg up on him, Great. your psychological warfare that you're <laughs> beginning here. <laughs> All right, next, right. you have a pian that yes. you need to study. Right. Okay. Get this bamboo going. I'm going to yes. try not to smudge it too much with my dye-colored hands. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be like, when you use green dye on clothing, does not the clothing become green? When you use blue <laughs> dye on clothing, does not the clothing become blue? <laughs> I cannot ever look at it and say, this clothing is blue, because it was dyed blue with a blue dye. It's <laughs> like, so, yeah, we get it. Next. <laughs> next slide. <laughs> okay. The text this time is called On Dying. Master Mozart told how. When he saw someone dyeing silk, he sighed and said, When something is dyed by blue dye, it becomes blue. (laughs) (laughs) I knew knew it. I predicted this. (laughs) When it is dyed by yellow dye, it becomes yellow. What the dye enters changes in that its color changes. Five entries of dye create five different colors. Therefore, dyeing must be given careful attention. And then he goes on to say, Mm. this does not only apply to the dyeing of silk. States also have dyeing. Shun, who was one of the former rulers, sage kings or whatever, was dyed by Zhu Yo and Bo Yang, which are probably his advisors. Okay. Yu was dyed by Gao Yao and Bo Yi, and so on, Hmm. right? And goes on, and it's... I'm not going to read all this because sure, it's yeah. super boring. A lot of advisors, like, a lot of advisors. die the mindset of older yes, rulers. Exactly. Yeah. So, in other words, uh, they surrounded themselves with advisors and officials and everybody else who did not have what they needed, didn't merit the position. Right. And so those bad advisors dad, dyed the rulers a bad color. Right, yeah. They became bad rulers. Oh, I like that a lot. So yeah. you want to have you know advisors that are, that yeah. are like the die of fiscal responsibility or the die of like... Virtuous conduct or all these kinds of things. Exactly. But the revolutionary concept here, which probably doesn't appear very revolutionary to us in the 21st century, Mm -hmm. is meritocracy, right? Mm, You need to choose people who have the talents that are appropriate for the position and can advise you in an appropriate way rather than choosing son of so-and-so because, you know, they own land and, 
you know, yeah. whatever. Let's right. find out how you do on your piano studies. My exam. And we're not going to do this every time. Okay. okay. We'll just go until you succeed, right? <laughs> I like that. Well, I <laughs> stop flunking let's out. Let's just see how much you flunk get out. Get my GPA up over here. <laughs> Ready? Okay, right. Yeah. Rock, paper, raven, shoot. Oh, you flunked again. <laughs> Too bad. Raven just devoured yeah. a sheet of paper. You just, you, when you're, when your taskmaster drilled you with the, of the core meaning of the text, you went into this whole thing about, well, I, I sent this meme to my apprentice <laughs> and he's like, no. No, no new memes around here. <laughs> yeah. so they're almost like music. They're just extra. It's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Your remaining two uh, tasks are obtain necessary goods from the market. Or load, haul, and distribute grain to those in need. I just, I have a bad feeling about this market thing. <laughs> I'm going to bite the, the bullet. I'm going to bite the crossbow bolt and uh, just go and, and do the market gig. Very good. Yeah. Okay. So you are given a list of items to obtain at the market. Okay. And uh, the list is not terribly long of a number of things, but looking at it, the amount of money that they give you in order to obtain this oh, no. looks a little slim. Right. Okay. All right. So the things that you need to obtain are uh, wood, three kun thick. And do you have listed? Yeah. So that's going to be is? three inches thick. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So three inch sheets of wood and they give wow. you the other dimensions as well. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Which by the way, the types of wood thing seems to be a really big thing in the MOS text. They have very specific wood types for everything as far as I could tell. Yep. And then... You also need cloth, three layers of cloth, so okay. like three separate sheets, and they give you dimensions for that. Doesn't have to be anything fancy, just coarse cloth, but strong that can stand the test of time. Got it. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then they give you like just a couple of coins, and it's like, uh, where's the rest? And like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just the wood and the cloth. Yep. All right. Okay. Just the wood and the cloth. Okay. Okay. Great. So you. Depart the stronghold, and you're like, wait a minute, this might be the first time I've gone outside the stronghold since I've come here. Whenever people just don't come back from this area, <laughs> just flee home. Yeah, yeah. This is the true test. Yep. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. All right. So, like, there's a cloth vendor there. Mm -hmm. Looks like they have the kind of cloth that you want. Right. And they're charging, you know, enough that it would cost all of what you have just to get the cloth. I'm going to tell them that this is for Moists. They're like, Moists? Ugh. Get out of here. You've got hardly any business for me anyway. And then I think, You only buy like three sheets of cloth at a time. It's I not say, like the Confucians that come here and get all these elaborate layers of cloth for their needs. Sure. And I'm sure you make a good price off of them. But I'll, I'll pick up a piece of the coarse cloth and say, but this cloth is garbage. No one's buying this for anything except for the Moas because we need it for our rugged coarse suits. No one else is going to buy it. Eh. I'll give you this much and I'll tell them the amount that I'm willing to pay. Eh. Well, just like about half of what you... Got yeah, or something. Presumably, we gotta like, pull this con of the wood guy too. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like ah, ah, well, to get you out of here, let's you know, and then person bargains a little bit. Okay, yeah. Right, let's do a right. test to see how much if you can bargain them to what you want. Yeah. Which, by the way, if I can't get them down, I may just walk away. Okay. Yeah. So yep. we'll see how it goes. Sure. Okay. Okay. Rock, paper, raven, shoot. And that's a tie. tie no, no, no advantage, advantage or disadvantage right okay. now. So right. again, rock, paper, raven, shoot. <laughs> you lose. So he's not willing to cut my price, and yeah. I'm just going to say, "There's other cloth merchants in town. Have a good day." I don't need your business. Yeah, so okay. I know what price I can get it for. There, so I want to see how I do with the wood guy first. If okay. I make out like a bandit there, maybe yep. I can still afford the cloth. Okay, so you go over to like the lumber dealer. Right. He's like, 
got a couple of apprentices that are working like a two-man saw kind of thing. And uh, he's like, yeah, I have that kind of wood and these kind of sheets. We'll, we'll have them measured out and cut for you by, you know, end of day. Mm-hmm. And it costs this much. And it's, of course, again, oh, yeah, as much right. as you have, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, should I pretend I'm with the Confucius? I don't think so. <laughs> I'll tell him, how long has it been since the city was sacked? Oh, uh, well, um, I didn't, it used to be pretty bad, but uh, actually, it's been a little while now. Knock on wood. <laughs> I'll give him the courtesy laugh to his joke, and then I'll say, yeah, it has been a little while from everything I've heard, and it's funny, the Moa school has been here for a little while too, hasn't it? He takes your meaning. Hmm. Yep. He likes the way, he likes the cut of your jib there. (laughs) All right, we'll see how this goes, yep. Rock, paper, raven, shoot. You got him. Oh, he smashes scissors. I mean, his raven. Yeah, Yeah. he he rock shoes raven. Great, okay. Yeah, he likes the cut of your jib, and he's like... Yeah, you've got a pretty good, pretty good point. Right. And to be fair, the Moas do bring me a lot of business whenever uh, they need fortifications. Which is often. <laughs> yes. They never have too many walls outside yeah. of the other walls. <laughs> so he gives you the wood that you need awesome. uh, for half of the money that you have. Great. Okay. Yeah. So the remaining half would not be enough to get the cloth at Correct. the price that I was quoted. So I'm debating whether I want to go back and, and just be like, this is what I got. Take it or leave it. Or if I should look for another cloth merchant. For the sake of dignity, since it covers all cloth merchants, I'm at a different cloth merchant. But I'm going to give them a short moral lecture. Okay, go for it. <laughs> uh, first of all, I'll ask if, he, if the merchant has kids. Oh, well, yes, I have a large family. Good, I, I hope they continue to be blessed. Everyone who has children has been through times that are abundant and through times that are lean. I'll say, when times are abundant, you have plenty of food. If your child wants a little something extra, you indulge them because you love them, and you give them a little something extra. But when times are lean... Your child wants a little something extra, you cannot give it to them. But do you then starve them? Do you give them nothing? Or do you divide up the small amount you have and give each child something? Is it not better than if your own child receives some food rather than no food? Is it not better than also if one were to receive some compensation and not no compensation? For if you cannot sell to me for the money I have, you will not sell to me for anything. You will go home with no money. Hmm. <laughs> for... <laughs> For the fact that you came up with that entire, like, that could be a chapter of the Moza, I'm going to give you advantage. You've clearly been studying. (laughs) Despite getting C's on every test so far. Yes. (laughs) No, but you think something has been soaking in, right? right? Okay. Okay. So you're going to have advantage. Ready? Here we go. Rock, paper, raven, shoot. Yes. Yep. You got it. Okay. Okay. So what happens is the cloth merchant sees the practical wisdom <laughs> of, of Moism. It's so great. <laughs> goes to the stronghold and says, how can I learn more? What? I got a convert? You got a convert. Oh, we offer him peanuts during the talk. <laughs> I mean, like four <laughs> peanuts. We don't have a lot. No. But yeah. And then as part of the cloth merchant joining the Moist society, there is a donation made. <laughs> Oh, wow. Of cloth. And now we can feed our kids. Yes. Now you've actually got more cloth than you needed. That's great. Well, that's a waste of storage space, but I'm sure we can work that out. (laughs) It can be put to use. Yes. Very good. Okay. Excellent. You have a pien to study. Oh, perfect. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this uh, bundle of bamboo strips has no title above it. Uh, You're not sure if maybe like it used to have more strips and some of them are missing, but it just kind of starts in mid-chapter. Hmm. There must be an outer and an inner coffin, embroidered hide in three layers, jade emblems and jade already prepared, spears, swords, tripods, drums, pots, 
vessels, embroideries and silks, and funeral garments in countless layers, as well as carriages, horses, women, and musicians all prepared. Do you get where this is going? Yeah, this is a trick. This is not a novice text. It's a Confucian text. Well, let's keep reading. Okay. And, it, and it's about, of course... It sounds like burial arrangements for the very rich and wasteful. That is what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> they say the ground must be beaten down to make a road to the grave, and the burial mound should resemble a hill. The interference with the business of the people and the wastage of their wealth cannot be calculated. This constitutes the uselessness of these funeral practices. Hmm. Then there's like a jump in the... It's actually kind of broken. It looks like you've got multiple pieces hmm. like this probably was something that maybe was used as a tool <laughs> the practical sense like the, the one thing we're not apart. practical about is like yeah. library maintenance <laughs> yeah apparently <laughs> yeah because then there's like a skip and then you read nowadays among the world's officers and gentlemen there are still many who are doubtful and uncertain as to whether elaborate funerals and prolonged mourning are in accord with what is right or not and whether they are beneficial or harmful therefore master Mozza spoke saying in this case, then, let us for a moment try to examine the matter in the light of those who now uphold the idea of elaborate funerals and prolonged mourning, taking them to be a service to the state. If these views are maintained, in the case of those remaining when a king, duke, or great officer dies, they say that the inner and outer coffins must be heavy, the funeral must be elaborate, the funeral garments must be numerous, the markings and embroidery must be complicated, and the burial structure must be large. In the case of those remaining when an ordinary lowly person dies, the family's resources are almost exhausted. In the case of those remaining when a feudal lord dies, his armory and storehouse will be emptied after gold, jade, and regular and irregular pearls are used to surround the body. Silk of various sorts is bundled up, and carriages and horses are interred in the tomb. There must also be many domestic screens, tripods, drums, tables, mats, vessels, and basins, as well as spears and swords, feathered banners, ivory and hides placed around and buried to a satisfactory amount. With regard to those who are sent to follow the dead, in the case of the Son of Heaven, meaning the Emperor, the number killed and buried with him Ooh. ranges from several hundred at the most to several tens at the least. Ooh. In the case of a general or high-ranking officer, the number of people killed and buried with him ranges from several tens at the most to several at the least. Wow. Yeah. So my in my head, I'm thinking, well, at least they're shoving chariots in the tomb because that, that'll take up some space and it's not a value. <laughs> yeah, everybody's down on chariots. Just a little man. bird on the was it the shoe class? The shoe, shoe, the shoe sure. class. I'm assuming that my rival is shoe. That's just my my personal choice. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yep. No, but I, I would I have been. I guess I would have been familiar with the practice of like interring, like killing and interring other people with the uh, the ruler who died. You would certainly have heard about such okay. a uh, significant practice. Right. Yeah. It makes me feel even more unsettled now because I'm thinking of holding up the yardstick of like, does it benefit all people equally? Ah, yeah. you are learning, my son. Right. Yeah. Yes. Then the last piece that you have left of this peon hmm. is quite short. The rules which Master Mozu formulates for the conduct of funerals and burials state. A coffin should be three kun thick, <laughs> sufficient for rotting bones. Burial garments should be of three layers, hmm. sufficient for rotting flesh. 
So that's in contrast to what we heard before, where it was like up to seven layers of right. like clothes and like seven layers of coffins for the most elaborate. Right. The depth of the ground dug out should be such that it does not reach water below. You could probably help with that as, a, <laughs> as right. an engineer. Yep. And it does not let vapors escape above. The burial mound should be sufficient to make the place of burial recognizable, and that is all. Hmm. There should be weeping going to and from the funeral, but then there should be a return to the matters of clothing and food. There should be such attention to sacrifices as accords with being filial to parents. Hmm. Thus it is said that this is what constitutes Master Motz's rules, not losing the benefits to either the living or to the dead. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, quite a contrast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 a, a decent taste of uh, conventions of the time versus the kind of frugality hmm. that the uh, Moists advocated. And the, it's still the main core idea of like public benefit, but it's like, well, how how are resources best spent right. for the public benefit on elaborate funerals, right? Or you know, food and clothing. Yes, yes, indeed. I have to say the the restriction on like when one can weep openly in public is is quite startling to a modern eye. Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up because that reminded me there's a really interesting exchange um, that's kind of read between texts, kind of, because there's Confucians writing, there's Moists writing, and it's like they're commenting on each other. So the Moists' position on funeral mourning, right, is mm-hmm. like, didn't it say like just a few days, on basically? On the way to and from the funeral. Yeah, yeah. Weeping, and least. then after yeah. that, back to work, Yep. Mm-hmm. right? The Confucian position is no less than three years. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And Ooh. then they were called out on that by the Moists, and one of the Confucian scholars, I believe it was Shunsa, being accused that um, this is, like, not in moderation. This is, hmm. like, a crazy amount of time to spend with all these. And you're, like, you know, tearing your hair out, wearing bad clothes, you know, eating bad food, like, making a huge big show for three years, not wow. working, <laughs> <laughs> to show how, you know, filial you are when, hmm. let's say, a parent dies, right? Right. Okay. So this is not in moderation at all. And Shunsa said, it is in moderation because their emotions, like their grief, is only given three years. <laughs> <laughs> if we followed their actual needs for grief, you know, they should mourn their entire lives. But here, we are doing the moderate amount of grieving, which right. is only three years. Yes. So it's like, <laughs> very different. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, it's just funny because, I mean, on the one hand, obviously, he's not saying you can't feel sad after that. He's Mm -hmm. saying the public display of weeping is on the way to and from the funeral, and that's that, and then you get back to normal life. But I guess I just think, I think we tend to think that, like, emotions matter, right? That you shouldn't bottle up your emotions, and you should should accept that they're going to happen and and take them seriously, and it's not not a shame to cry or anything like that. But I think everything that the Moists do is kind of looking at, like, what's going to work best on, like, the society-wide level. Yeah. And there is something to be said for, like, if, if the person that you have to go dig a ditch with is, mm-hmm. is always crying and, and sad and caring about their dead mom or whatever, like, that is kind of bringing everybody down and it's hurting the overall spirit of the team. Mm-hmm. And the sooner they can at least act normal, even if they, they don't feel totally over it, the better it is for everyone. But it really does seem quite oppressive at the same time. Yes. I don't know. Yes. I mean, I totally... I'd give them a week. <laughs> <laughs> right. They can have a little bit of leave. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but yeah, see, that that's, that is exactly the spirit of modalism that you're saying. Like, it's, you know, a little bit and then back to work, right? Yeah, right. And um, the utility that they're after when they talk about public benefit is very concrete. Hmm. Like, there's no, like, enrichment of the soul kind of idea, right, really. Yeah. It's like, no, food, clothing, and work, right. you know? 
Yeah. And you, you do sacrifices, but that's because they believe that it has actual utility. It'll bring you benefit. Yeah, right? so absolutely. I think it's a very uh, a different prioritizing of what is important in society. Yeah. So I think for the people that are doing the elaborate funerals here, <laughs> like the kind of upper crust. Right. I get the impression that it's all about a display of wealth. Right. Who can do the most extreme yeah. form of showing how pious they are and do all these elaborate sacrifices and things. Right. It's it's like I'm a little better than your family because yeah. I did it better, more which, extreme, yeah. more elaborate. Which of course is actually quite pragmatic from the sense of like they're yeah. power maneuvering. They're trying so to get the, one little leg. Exactly. Yeah. But in the case of the Moists, they don't care about that class of society nearly right. as much. They're caring more about the common people. And so they're like, waste, no. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, and, and to the extent that they do care about that upper class society, it's like, you shouldn't be power maneuvering in the first place. You should be doing what's good for the state. Right. So why, why do you care about who's got the best display of piety? Just exactly. Get, get back to governing things. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. So you have one task left, one project left. Right. And this is, we'll say that you've been in training for, you know, quite some time sure. now. Once you complete this, then it'll be the, you know, we'll say that, like, this is getting close to graduation now. Okay, wait, wait did, I, did I pass my test on that uh, PN? Oh, let's find out. Okay, you're right, right. Rock, paper, raven, shoot. Oh! Uh, still flunked out. <laughs> like, I feel like I really get the text, but I my, my taskmaster does not agree. Everyone is a, a an essay test, and, like, as a math guy, you just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, ah, yeah. oh, the words won't come out right. <laughs> yeah. I actually spent half the night just, like, trying to get the bamboo, like, properly numbered in the right order, and less of it memorizing. <laughs> right. It's like, this is, this is in the wrong order. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So your last task is... Bundling, hauling, and distributing grain to the needy in the town. Great. Right? Okay. You are shown, you know, like, okay, we have exactly this much grain to give away. I want you to go to this square. It's like everybody knows that you'll be there at this time. Like, it's like a set deal, you know. We do this every year, whatever, mm. right? So once your grain is, grain is out, you just have to say, I'm sorry, but please go and give these to the needy hmm. because there's a lot of people in town that actually need it. Hmm. Okay. So you go to the place. It's like a square outside of a big pagoda or something. You look up at the grandeur of that pagoda and you're like, Psh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, right. that's where it's been established that this happens. Hmm. Okay. So you hand out grain all day until you've only got just a little bit left, right? You've got enough to feed maybe, you know, three more, people or mm -hmm. families or whatever however you want to measure yeah right yeah like each person basically represents a family is what they're taking for right okay so you get to a point where you only have two sacks of grain left okay right. and like they're bundled for like family size like one person one sack that's the deal okay. yeah okay but three people come up to get grain hmm. okay and so you have to choose who of these three people you're going to give your two sacks of grain to right. somebody's going to Lose out. Right. Okay? So, the three people that you have to choose from. One is an elderly woman, so old that you don't expect she'll see many more winters, if any. Okay? The next one is a local official in charge of collecting taxes from the Moist stronghold. Okay. And the final one is your cousin from the state of Song, who has lost his money in some kind of a gamble while he was traveling around here and now needs something to trade for transport home. Ah, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. My own cousin? 
Your own cousin. And then the tax collector, a part of me is like, why Why does he need to come and get grain handouts? But then I'm like, well, he probably had to like finance that funeral. So <laughs> probably spent all of his money on funeral. Well, funeral. you know, in the ancient world, I don't know about China, right. but let's, let's say like ancient Greece, it wasn't really based on need, mm. but it was like everybody gets something when you give out charity. Oh, okay. And so maybe it acknowledges, maybe there's just some kind of understanding that whenever anybody does this in this town, Everybody, you know, gets something until it runs out or whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. But in your case, that's not necessarily the philosophy that you would take. That's just what's expected in society, I'm going to say. That makes sense. Okay. So um, this is what I'm going to do. I would like, and this is in a public place, right? Yes. So is there like, like, are there passersby who are watching this? All kinds. Okay, great. So I am going to turn to the the general crowd, not Mm -hmm. the three people who are waiting. Okay. And I will say I'm in a dilemma because Mm -hmm. there are. Three people who are here to collect grain, but I only have enough <laughs> bags an of grain for two people. As an engineer, you keep choosing the social strategy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, okay. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll point out, like, this man here is my cousin. Who among us would not give the grain first to their own cousin? But this man here is an important local official. Who among us would not want to first give the grain the important local official who holds mm-hmm. power over us? Mm-hmm. But this woman here is clearly the one who needs the grain the most. Who among mm-hmm. us would not want to help someone who truly needs it? Hmm. So what do I do? Uh, and you ask the the audience. Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna crowdsource it. Literally? No, I'm just no, I'm just rhetorically asking. Oh, okay. So then well, I they're would... all shouting like, of course, different answers. Oh, the the official deserves it. He has higher status. Right. And then the others are like, you always give to your family first. Everybody knows that. Right. Down yeah. confusions. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to then say the only way I can decide how to distribute the grain is to ask each of them themselves what they would do with the grain if it is given to them. Oh. So I'm going to call forward first my, out, out of deference for status, I will uh-huh. call first the, the official, the tax okay. collector. Mm-hmm. And I will say, and I'll bow appropriately for his station. I'll say, sir, you can see the dilemma before me. If I give this uh, sack of grain to you and your family, what will you do with it? Uh, well, I, of course, I will add it to my stores. And, uh, and then... You know, I will probably distribute it among my staff, and uh, there'll be a, a trickle-down effect. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay. And then I will turn to my cousin, who is probably somewhat bothered that I'm even asking this question and not just giving it to him, mm-hmm. and I'll say, cousin, and I'll express some affection or whatever. Um, you see the dilemma I have before me. Uh, what will you do with this grain if I give it to you? Zhong Li. Zhong Li. It's me. And I told you. Like, I, I needed to get home. He says, you know, I'm going to trade it. He's going to trade it away. I'm going to trade yeah. it for transport. Right. Yeah. It's the um, only way I could get home to see my family, he says. Your family. Uh, so I will turn to the old lady mm-hmm. and I'll again show a sign of reverence for, out of deference for her age and, and mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, um, ma'am, if you can see the dilemma I have before me, if I were to give the grain to you, what would you do with it? You should not give it to me, my son. I will not see much more time here. I... The others need it more. I I only need half. What would you do with the other half? The other half? I would give to my grandson. Uh, I'm going to ask you another question. I'll say, so you have, you have a grandson. How old is he? Six. Six. And where is he right now? He is at home. Who's watching you? My daughter. This is no longer part of my rhetorical argument. I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, wait, so you have a daughter, so but you're not. You don't need grain for her. What does she do? She already received grain this okay. morning. 
Did she receive? Did she receive enough for your grandson as well? Yes, but I wanted to give an extra little gift. Hmm. I understand. So I'm going to uh, turn to the other two contestants on this wonderful game show of <laughs> Moe's and food distribution, and I'm going to say, uh, you know, sir, to the official. So. You have a large household, but you also have stores of grain. Mm -hmm. And I'll turn to my cousin and I'll say, you have a very long way to go, but you're also a a clever man. Mm -hmm. This woman needs but half of a bag of grain to feed herself. Mm -hmm. Would it not make the most sense if I gave her half of one of the bags and distributed the rest among the two of you equally? That is wise indeed. So that means that she gets more than the other two of us? That's not how math works, son. (laughs) So she gets... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start scratching in the dirt with like a real air of like, oh, come on, you guys can't even do basic math. And Wait. I'm going to scratch out like 0.75 bags, 0.75 Wait, bags, on, 0.5. On, and I'll just, yeah. So the old lady gets half the bag, right? Right. And then the remaining half of the bag is split between the two other contestants, right? So they each end up with 0.75 bags. Because there were two bags total. She's using half a bag, which is oh, 0.5. Oh, right. I was thinking... And they each end up... So this is exactly oh, what I yes, yes, out in the yes, sand, yes. and I just, like, math schooled them, basically. Oh. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the part that I wasn't getting is yeah, I, yeah. I forgot that there was a second bag right, there right, still right. figured yeah. into there. That's perfect because you just math scolded me. Perfect. So, and your character has advantage with math. So let's see if you can uh, confuse the uh, the official or enough. Them. <laughs> confuse or deconfuse them enough right. that then to save face, they just agree with you. Perfect. Just say like, of course I agree with that plan. That's perfect math. Excellent. I understand it completely. You know, let's find out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Rock, paper, raven, shoot. That's a tie, and that's which a tie, is... which is advantage. So you've got perfect. Yep, you win. So now I'm gonna now I'm gonna use my charming engineer personality and hem mm-hmm. it up a little bit, and yep. I'm gonna turn to the audience and be like, "This woman now can go home, and her grandson is fed, her daughter is fed, and she herself is fed, and she will hopefully, we pray, make it through the winter mm-hmm. and live to see another beautiful year. Mm-hmm. This man will go home to his stores and add the drain to what he already has, and mm-hmm. ensure that all of his servants and family have enough." to get through the winter. And my cousin here will have enough to go and make with his shrewd bargaining skills, because I know that he is a merchant. Wait, wait, wait don't say that, because everybody hates merchants. With his shrewd bargaining <laughs> skills, because I know that he is a clever man, will be able to get what he needs to make the journey home. And please, cousin, give my best wishes to all of our family. The crowd? <laughs> Cheers. Great. All right. Yes. They're Except like... for one confusion in the back, who's just like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just turns and walks away. <laughs> Right. Yes. Word gets around town as well and gets back to the the stronghold. Word gets back to the stronghold that there was, uh, like, people are talking about what happened in the square today. Was that, was that you, Jolie? I will. You were in charge of that, the grain distribution. I'm going to take a very humble demeanor and I'm going to say, sir, it was me in the square who distributed the grain and it was not possible to make a perfect distribution to everyone did what I could, and I apologize for not meeting your standards. Uh, well, we shall have to see what the Jutsu says about this. Is that the, the Jutsu who beats is me? the Grand Master. Oh, no! <laughs> you are taken to see the Grand Master of your uh, particular uh, faction of Moists, so this which is, is the, the highest, Southern Moists. He's the highest dude in Southern Moism. Correct. He's the Pope of our school. Correct. Got it. And is it Dumbledore? <laughs> not Dumbledore. <laughs> Come in, young Harry. <laughs> I mean, it's not my, I mean, yes, sir. I'll call myself Harry now. Huh. Um, 
you he has none of the finery that you would expect from a person of his position. Hmm. No like papal staff or huge papal hat. Um, he looks nearly as humble as the rest, just a few distinguishing marks. Hmm. But everyone circles him in a, in a sense like the pole star. You can clearly hmm. tell the respect that they all have for him. I'll, I'll do the lowest, like most uh, reverential obeisance possible. Yeah. yeah. And the Grand Master then uh, says that, he says, rise, my son, you have graduated from I, your I training. I limped to my feet. <laughs> yeah. He says, oh, by the way, somebody do something about that leg. <laughs> You're given a golden leg. No? <laughs> <laughs> but wait, my leg is still could... attached. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you probably feed a lot of people with a golden leg. So, okay, we'll go sell it. Like, well, we had to do something with all the gold that we've been hoarding. <laughs> <laughs> We're not using it on funerals. So. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he says, you have graduated from your training. Well, okay, I'll, I'll do a whole other obeisance and it'll be great. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, well done. You wow. made it through. A tra- we'll say it's a, it was an, all in total. We'll say one year of, right, sure. of training. Yeah. Yeah. Now, next episode, mm-hmm. you will go home to your tiny state of Song with my really angry cousin. And, yep. <laughs> and you will uh, attempt to uh, live out your principles in the real world without the aid of you know being in a cloistered area. You know, like having the. Uh, you know, the propaganda of the most, like, constantly right. in your ear and everything. We'll see how you do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. This first, is fun. First level Moism. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it comes with a lot of um, skill points. Yeah. But not much else. It's the class powers. Yeah. 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 You know, you probably get, like, the ability to, like, uh, it wouldn't be, like, turn undead, but it'd be, like, turn prince. <laughs> like, wh- whoever is wearing, like, a frilly, like, purple prince kind of, like, a getup that's oh, just man. all, like, f- right. waste and everything, you just, like... Hold up your symbol of Moism, which is probably just a like shovel. a wood hatchet. Or <laughs> yeah, a shovel. Exactly. The shovel from the boat, yep. And then they're just like, <laughs> like a vampire in the sunlight. <laughs> right. But the yeah. more elaborate their ancestors' funeral arrangements, the higher the, the challenge level of yes. turning them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Awesome. Okay. Well, everybody, uh, check us out next time for our final episode of Moism. In the meantime, if you like what you're doing here, you can support the show. a month gets you a portrait drawn in the time period and culture of your choosing. Can draw you as prince. (laughs) Or can draw you in a blue-gray work jacket. Can also draw you as a prince who is being turned by a moist. Or maybe as the moist doing the turning would be more fun. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 www.patreon.com forward slash deadideaspod to show your support. Uh, We'll see you next time. I'm BT Newberg, and this is Dead Ideas.